Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I'm kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shini Somara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful and excited about life. I believe that silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. And if so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of technology. Hi. Hi, Sheeny. Thank you for having me. How are you? Thank you for coming on the show. I'm good. Very excited to, to join your amazing podcast. Um, heard so much fun. Thank you. I was kind of intrigued that, I mean, technology is such a gigantic, all-encompassing label. Um, how do you fit into the technological world? Um, yeah, I've, I think I've taken the back route in. I, I would almost um, consider myself slightly a fraud in that I, I didn't study technology at um, university. Um, in fact, I did try and do the science as well as a secondary school, but very much your stereotypical case of um, this education system not really supporting me. I grew up in Nigeria um, wow. and back there, um, I was sort of pushed into the social sciences. I I sort of had a um, a wobble with um, chemistry and, and um, physics, but I really loved biology. And I was told, well, you, you kind of have to do all three. And really, I just kept thinking, if you'd encouraged me, I probably would have ended up you know, doing down the science route because I really, really have always been fascinated by how, you know, things happen and chemicals and just how you can create such magic, um, you know, in, in the world of science. Mm. So, yeah, I ended up on the route of economics. and then. Fast forward to my um, my thirties after having kids and having gone through a career in banking, I um, you know started working with technology companies and that was sort of a nice reintroduction and I think it really sparked something in me and and I wanted to learn more mm. and um, you know suddenly found that you know a lot of the resources available to learn I mean there was loads of online material but in person nothing was catered to um, mothers and you know if you have small children and you wanted to go in and learn something while you're on a maternity leave there just wasn't any um, resource available for you to do that and find a network of people to learn with so so I created one wow, you know, while wow. I was on maternity leave so yeah that came in via by the back route um, and and created a coding school for mums um, and I think that was a very steep learning curve into what is technology I mean I thought I knew but at a very surface level but I certainly found myself learning about HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and and really wanting to empower other women to, to to sort of feel like they could learn as well, and 
sort of how I ended up in the world of tech. And I think that's why I love that the, the term is quite broad and you don't have to be, you know, someone who studied engineering. You have an interest in tech and participate in other ways. You know, you can work in products or even marketing, but you're, you're still working in tech and you can still be a woman in tech just mm. by you know, the, very, the very curious nature um, that you have in the, in the industry. Yeah, I mean, what I love about the T in STEM mm-hmm. is that it really does um, open the gates wide for anyone to join the STEM community because Absolutely. you can come in via apprenticeships, um, curiosity, uh, creativity, ingenuity, um, and the other uh, letters, the science, the engineering and maths, um, a much more sort of academic and uh, sort of research-based. Um, and I forgot to say I was very good at maths. <laughs> so I guess maybe it slightly deserved to be. Yeah. I, I loved maths. I did it up to A-levels. and I did pretty good at it. Um, yeah, yeah so and you I, need maths, don't you, for <laughs> economics and banking, and absolutely. you need to have that rational mind. Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot of people may not even realize, but they, they have that logical mindset, which ultimately helps, you know, with things like coding, although, you know, there's a lot of debate that coding is not the only way of categorizing yourself as uh, a techie. There mm. many amazing skills you can have. So how have you found... Um, mothers have taken to coding I mean you yourself have done so much in your short life like you know career focused become a mother like you know what is it like for mothers um going into tech a lot of mums in particular you know find that you know maternity leave or you know they're stay-at-home mums it's it's a nice time to reflect on a, a career change and everyone is really conscious about about technology there's a lot more awareness whether it comes through the schools if they've got older kids um codings on the national mm. curriculum that you know it was put on I think probably the year I started um getting into it I think it was probably back in 2015 there was a lot more awareness and there are loads of code camps and um I think I think um it suddenly became more mainstream so there's suddenly so many resources and people are naturally curious and realize it's a nice time to reflect. I think a lot of tech companies are really pushing the agenda for an increased um, diversity in their, in their um, workforce. So we're seeing more women participate. You know, companies like ThoughtWorks have put out scholarships with Makers Academy. So it now is the time. It's a great time to increase the numbers. I mean, we all know the numbers are pretty dire. Mm. Um, I think it's like 17% women in tech. Um, so if, if that can come through um, through mums who naturally are sort of eliminated from the workforce after having kids because of lack of flexibility in, in, the, in their working patterns, I think technology offers a really unique um, way back in because by the very nature of it, most companies end up being flexible, being able to use tools such as Slack and Trello, and you, you can, in theory, work remotely with a lot of the jobs. Yeah. Um, and it's and the culture, I think, especially in the startup world, is just way more flexible. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, there's no presenteeism, and, and I think it's just, it's a good time. It's really, it's really, really yeah. good time to get people excited about joining the world of tech. 
It's really exciting generally. I mean, let's break this down. Mm-hmm. As a mum, is it true to say that um, you need flexibility in order to have a career and be a mother? Oh, absolutely. I think it, it's just, it's impossible otherwise. I mean, just the very, the very logistics of it, you have the school run whether your child's in nursery or is at school ultimately that kid has to get there so if you're lucky you can drop off at eight o'clock so you can't get into a really conventional job that needs you there at nine on the dot. Mm. the chances yeah. are you're not going to make it so just you know so from the very beginning just the drop off then the pickup you know schools yeah. and the 315 so I think if you don't have um, a company culture that appreciates that um that that is necessary that you know people just need to get the job done I think that's the very the very basic as long as they get the job done however they need um then you're more likely to attract the right people into to those roles because there's so many talented women who have just dropped out of the workforce completely I think Mm. there were stats that showed um you know at least 54,000 women were just not working but wanted to um, yeah, but only because and have the skills. Absolutely, we're talking about seriously talented women who, for some reason, their their former employers just have not been supportive in getting them back in, and also not willing to appreciate the change, the fact that people change during that time off. I think yeah. I changed a lot. You know, I suddenly had this desire to work in a, a company where there was purpose. And um, mm. and if I was going to be spending time away from my children, it really needed to be something that was where I felt I was really moving the needle. And I think that's sometimes quite tough to get in a very large organization. I think when you're running a startup, it's amazing because suddenly or you work for yourself. You have this amazing um, freedom. And we spoke about this earlier briefly, just that ability to to be creative and to to do things your way have that entrepreneurial spirit and I think that's something that often gets sparks I think a lot of women end up starting their business while they're on maternity leave there's um, a couple of um, papers that have looked into it it's just you you suddenly find that creativeness within you and um, you have time you have time to process I say that you have time but kids are hard work (laughs) but you do some you find a bit of mental space away from your normal day-to-day corporate role where you're often put in a in a, a bit of a silo is it fair to say that there was a bit of um a resistance to employing women after childbirth because somehow their skills were outdated or redundant i mean almost like a a maternity penalty yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. What a yeah. great phrase. Um, yeah. Yes. I think there is often a feeling that, well, definitely from the woman's perspective, you often feel that um, your skill sets are lost a bit. And I, from personal experience, um, going back after my first child, honestly, hand on heart, I I feel like I'd been massively de-skilled. So. Uh, that was my personal experience and that was mainly because I sort of threw myself into motherhood you know wholeheartedly and Mm. I think I sort of abandoned that part of my brain that that had so it's kind of factual I mean they they literally call it the um the pregnancy brain you know where your brain goes to mush and and that's not to say it can't be rebuilt it's just that 
for a while. I mean, your body goes through so much, you know, just trying to bring this child into the world. So much of your energy and your resources are literally going into creating this human. And, you know, childbirth is exhausting. We all we all know that. And I think in we I think we don't give ourselves enough enough time to really heal and, and come back into the workforce workforce workforce. We we can't be that same person. Um, and I think that's where, you know, you almost need a, a an orientation program to help women get back in. And that's why I, I love returnships. I think they're the best thing that happened because, you know, it gives you an opportunity to sort of relearn the basics because you do have to. And I think you need to keep keep the brain active. And I think that's that's what I was very conscious of second time around, that you you do need to keep learning in some way because um, otherwise that part of the brain just really, really slows down and, and it does affect your confidence. And I think it makes it harder to reintegrate into the workforce if you've lost that confidence. And the, the challenge also is that your colleagues believe that you're the same person that left, um, especially those who, who haven't necessarily kept in touch with you during your time off. So they haven't seen how much of a, a transition you've been through. So they expect you to come in and slot back in and that's often just not possible because you, you're you a different person you know whether we want to believe it or not with new challenges you suddenly have a human that's relying on you and as much as you love your job there's always going to be that other responsibility which frankly to me especially and I'm sure a lot of mums will, will say that they come first and and that's often hard for an organization to accept and I think um, obviously they want you to to be completely dedicated be you know wonderful employees but but you have a human being that's relying on you and um yeah and they're suddenly the priority and I think that's often a tough tough pill to swallow for for organizations but it doesn't mean that the you know the woman coming back is less dedicated than before or doesn't love her job just different priorities exactly exactly and I think that's okay and I think if if it was embraced more and we had more organizations sort of really embracing parenthood which some do very well you know with family days bring your child to work I mean I do this I take my kids to work you know during Mm -hmm. half term only because I think it's super important that they get to know where I spend my time and then also from I want my employers to know a bit about them yeah so it's not like a faceless um, experience when I say you know this person's sick you know what that person looks like and I think the more that becomes a normality in organizations where you know family can't really be separated from work and I really believe in the whole bring yourself to work Um, yes I I mean it's about transparency isn't it I think so I think if we embrace you know, wholeheartedly people and, and all the different facets. I think, you know, mm. you would have more beautiful workplaces, you know, where people feel genuinely comfortable and, and then they're really their best selves at work. Yeah, and there's probably less burnout 100%. because this idea of like showing this alpha side of you doesn't last. It, it really doesn't. I'm, I'm so against that. I've never been the kind of person who... Um, you know, needs to be that tough one at work. I'm, I'm so vulnerable. <laughs> I think for me, like my secret weapon and, and the reason I've been, you know, so, so successful in sort of um, getting into the world of tech is just being fully authentic. You know, just taking my babies mm. into meetings with senior, you know, senior execs at companies like Microsoft, and and they were 
Actually, I'm sure Tokyo Face first meeting. Were they well behaved? Sometimes, but you know what? And and that was my litmus test. It really was. If if the people didn't get it and didn't embrace the kids, I didn't want to work with them because if I was going to be doing a program where I'd be bringing 15 more kids and you couldn't handle the two I brought, there's no point. <laughs> so, so for me, that, you know, and they, they all were, I mean, I'd never had an issue with um, with any course that I took my, my kids into. Um, and so for me, that was amazing, you know, just knowing that the rest of the kids would be, would be welcoming. And if I was bringing mothers who are vulnerable and... Um, needing to feel comfortable it was important that I, I really made sure I was working with the right people mm. I mean let's get this into context because there may be people you know maybe even mm. men listening to this thinking oh my god that would <laughs> never ever work having kids in a boardroom but I mean why was it important to have that kind of transparency for the kind of work that you were doing well, you know if, if I was going to be bringing in women to to learn about technology um it was going to be important that they experience the right culture i think you want to learn alongside because these people would you know these companies would be teaching and their staff would be teaching it was important that i i got a real sense of how what their employees were like the um the working environment um because potentially at the end of the program these women might want to work there so i wanted to really ensure that it really was child friendly they they really or practicing what they preach. There's a lot of companies out there that say that they um, are promoting diversity in the workforce. They want to get more women in, in through the doors. But I think you want to see how those women are treated. Um, and also, you know, like what, how are candidates treated? You know, if I, if I was an external person coming in and just getting a lay of the land, how would you treat me? You don't know me. And um, I'm coming in with a baby because you know, I'm still on maternity leave, but I would like to work for your organization. Because that's the real you. That's the real me. And you know what, you know, that's something I carry forward with, um, you know, when I was looking to get back into the workforce, I, I went to interviews with my baby because I didn't have an option. I didn't have childcare. Yeah, I was still coming in as myself and I would be the person that they would be hiring, regardless of if I had this baby next to me or this toddler next to me but this is my current mm. situation and I, you know what's in my brain is still absolutely valid and relevant and I can still hold a conversation but it's up to them to be open-minded about the scenario yeah my gosh I really feel like you're a change maker rule breaker <laughs> yeah because you know by being so bold as to bring your kids in and say listen I'm still good and I know it, even if I have these children. It's like, you know, you're you're changing perceptions. You're making it, I mean, you can't make something acceptable until you actually put it out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. And then I'm, I'm a firm believer of, you know, you have to be your authentic self. If you really believe something, you want other people to do a certain thing, you have to be willing to do it yourself. Um, and I I really believe that, people should be able to bring their whole authentic selves all the time to work you know just just mm. be yourself and and that's how I conducted business because I thought there's no other way if if you really want to relate to people on a very human level and I found I had my best conversations actually with the kids next to me <laughs> you know that there, there was right. no meeting that yeah. didn't go well you know we had senior execs you know 
feeding the kids in the meeting. And I thought, wow, you know, if you bring out the humanity when you're yes. fully yourself, I had, you know, sea level people feeding my baby a banana. And I thought that was just <laughs> the most excellent scene ever. Well, we create oh, connection. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's so hard. Because people Absolutely. relate. Because, you know, everyone knows a little person. And I think these little people bring such joy yes. into the workplace. The days that we'd run the program, the excitement in, in the offices was just so hard to describe because it suddenly made, it connected everyone. Yeah. Everyone suddenly felt, oh, this is wonderful. And it's it's a talking point, but it's also an indication of, okay, I like this little person and their mama is still smashing it. She is learning. She is she's excited to get into tech. Yeah, Driven. Like, look at all she can do. Yeah. And I want to work with this person. And, and, and I suddenly started seeing people who never saw themselves in tech thinking gosh I, I love I love technology I love what I'm learning and I want to work for this company because that teacher that person that works in product <clears throat> that's taught me over the seven weeks has carried my baby has has embraced me has taught me has made me feel welcome in this in this environment and didn't have to but they did and they wanted to and you know they fully got what I could bring to the table ah oh. Gosh, I feel quite emotional at the idea of that because I think STEM has, because it is so male dominated, it has lost um, that human touch, that nurturing, caring side, which is ultimately the reason why technology does drive forward because we're trying to improve the quality of our lives. That's why it's so important for women to be part of STEM, because we're not just saying, oh, you know, equal rights. We're saying women bring something very unique to the table. And it's so important that it's included. Absolutely. I think that there's um, someone who's who often cites the example of, you know, how the um, the seatbelt was created by men initially and, um, you know, obviously the shape of a woman is completely different mm. so even something as basic as that you know if the woman is not going to be protected by this device that's been created by men literally for men then then it's, it's pointless you know it starts at the very beginning the, the thought process has to be inclusive it has to be inclusive of you know disabilities and different sizes ethnicities languages there's so many factors and I think unless you have a true diverse workforce these things will be left out yeah, it's actually horrifying that they have been left out because, yeah. I mean, we are doing this because we're human. We're not doing this because we want to make more money or build taller buildings exactly. or, you know, conquer, you know, divide and conquer. We're yeah. actually doing this because we want to improve the life that we're in. Exactly. Um, and the future of our children. And I just, it's amazing that it's been reduced to something that is insignificant. I mean, I feel like we are moving into an era of change where women's voices are actually carrying weight. Yes. But it's quite horrifying that it was cut out for a period of time. It's scary. And then, as you know, we talked about briefly earlier, the the first coders were women. And, and it's, yeah. it's unfortunate that they were not recognized properly until recently, because I just remember being, you know, in class and I'd never heard of Ada Lovelace until mm. a couple of years ago. And I feel like that should have been common knowledge. That's something that should be taught at schools. This is something that 
that our boys should know about, you know, not just Einstein. I think when, very unfortunately, a lot of the scientists that we think of and mathematicians, they're all men, but there were definitely women there and, and they, they, they're not yeah. been acknowledged. And, and I think it, needs, it goes back to schooling, you know, it needs to be introduced a lot earlier and normalised. And they, and this is why I really yes. believe in the whole role model. You know, we have present day scientists, engineers who are women and, and need to be more recognized in schools. We need to have people going into school so that they can see this is real life. This is now. Yes, you know, lots happened in the past, but we have so many talented women. Let them into the schools. Let, let, let all the kids see, the girls, the boys, that this is normal. This, you know, this is the future. This is now. And and there's, I think, you know, just changing that thinking when there's so much hope for the next generation. So much hope. Mm. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's jumping out at me listening to you and also attending a lot of women in STEM events is that it's so important for women to speak up for themselves, be assertive. Uh, be confident and really knock that imposter syndrome style approach on the head, but not in the way that we've done it before, where we've been aggressive and basically tried to be men in dresses. Yeah, I agree. It's it's that one. It's a well. different kind of assertiveness. It's just it's just being um, creating the space so you're listened to, and and I think it's yes. so important. It's not being loud. But it's, it's, you know, if you're in a room and you're interrupted when, when you're trying to speak, it's calmly saying, I have a point to make, not being talked over. And it's um, reinforcing that, you know, even outside the meeting room, just making sure that there is a culture of everyone's voice should be heard. I think that's not too much to ask, mm. um, that the, the men in the room like value um, the woman's opinion because the day... Mm. You know, for for a team to work, that every team member is important. But you know, in saying that, I can't help but take a look at the individuals' um, belief in themselves, yeah. the woman's levels of self-esteem. Um, what are your perspectives on that? Like, have you had a journey with that or were you born confident? Not at all. Oh, my goodness. I was, you know, in class and thinking even way back, back to secondary school, wasn't confident. I knew I, I, knew I could be smart. I wasn't like your natural genius at all. Um, but I worked hard. I worked hard. But it meant that in class, I wasn't the first to put my hand up, even if I knew the answer. I felt, oh, someone might have a better answer than me. And then it um, sort of mm. followed me into my first couple of jobs where I know what to say in the meeting, but I, I thought, oh, well, that guy's going to talk anyway. He's always talking, so I'm just going to let him talk. Um, and I wished I had been braver in those instances just to voice my opinion because mine was perfectly valid and I knew what I was saying um, was right, but I didn't have the confidence at all. And it's so weird that the confidence suddenly came post I would say post my second child not my first child surprisingly um and I and I don't know what it was but I sort of had this period of reflection and I I made this very conscious decision I was coming up to 30 and I just thought 
how do I want to spend the rest of my life? And I don't want it to be one where I am full of regrets and I and I have missed out on many opportunities and I knew I had because there had been chances to run events and speak and, and organise things and I backed out and I really chickened out of certain things and I thought, I don't want to carry on like that. I um, I, I need to make that decision. No one can do it for me. No one can force me to be brave. No one can tell me I'm good enough. I have to believe it. So it's a lot of personal work and I think as much as we want to make every woman confident, it really has to come from within. You know, people can sort of help mm. to nudge you in that direction. I think that's where mentors and sponsors come into play. You know, people who believe in you. But I think you have to make that decision to put yourself in what will feel like uncomfortable situations. But if you don't try, um, you won't know. And I think half the time we fear these scenarios because we've not put ourselves in it before. But sometimes it's actually not as scary. I remember when I first did, yeah. you know, my first talk, I think it was probably about 200 people. And I was nervous. I would often back out of um, doing any form of public speaking. I, I, it just made me really nervous, butterflies, and I didn't like it. So I just would dodge it like a bullet. So I'd never go. Um, and this was for Product Tank, which I felt, oh my goodness, it's going to be full of amazing people in product. I'm not really a person in product, but actually I was. I didn't even realize it because I'd never, because I was an entrepreneur, I'd not labeled myself as a product manager, but actually every entrepreneur is in, in some shape or form. You're building a product, you're creating something. And in, inadvertently, you've learned the skills. You, know, you might not have had a formal qualification. So I, I, I had sort of talked myself out of it. I thought, oh, I'm not really a product person. But I said to myself, you know what, you've got to do it because there are other people the same scenario, who are scared. And you have to set that example that you can do it. Actually, anyone can, you know, because my background is quite a zigzag, but no formal product qualification, but still had lots to offer the audience in terms of very practical things I'd done. Um, so I think, yeah, if, if we go through that uncomfortable process of just doing it anyway, you know, as they say, feel the fear and do it anyway, it literally is bad. And, and it's not that bad. The talk was fine. I, mm. I watched it back. It, yeah. it sounded OK. It was, it was much better than I was projecting this horrible image that it was a disaster. <laughs> but actually, everyone said it was wonderful. So I think, yeah, just we, we just need to just embrace embrace that fear and use it as a fuel and just just go for it yeah I think a lot of women in STEM they really are high achievers yeah. generally they have very high standards for themselves they may be slightly perfectionistic yeah. mm -hmm. you know we have a very rational perhaps even binary way of thinking and all of those things mean that we can be very hard on ourselves so and so it's often quite a balance to hold that space where I mean I had a professor on the show talking about faking it to make it until you know you get to a certain level where you've really clocked up a lot of experience where you don't need to fake that confidence anymore um, but it is really tough sort of you know especially you mentioned that you're Nigerian like when you are putting yourself on the line you're very open to being attacked yeah, how how do you 
how do you cope with that? Because coping with that is then opens the door for, you know, pushing yourself further. But how do you cope with that initial obstacle of self-doubt? Self-doubt. I, I personally cope with it by surrounding myself with good people. I um, right. I realized, you know, you, you can't go through this journey alone. And it, my initial support system is, you know, my, my mother and my sister who are my... Um, number one cheerleaders they 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 believed in what I was doing so much and where there were moments where I doubted myself especially with you know just just being able to run a business it's very tough um, my mom's an entrepreneur as well um we've got family business back home and you know I'd go to her for some very practical um knowledge where I had questions and and she was like just a lot of the stuff you're going through is normal um, I learned a lot on the job. You know, she worked with her dad and her, and her brothers and sisters, and nobody went into it knowing exactly what to do. And I think that's that initial frame of mind was really what saw me through. So I didn't go into it thinking that I'm going to be perfect day one. I knew that there was going to be a steep learning curve, and I embraced it. I love- and probably mistakes and failures. Absolutely. And I was very open to it, which is very unlike me. But I suddenly found myself in this very unusual mindset where I was like, okay, whatever happens, happens. I'm, but I'm not going to not try stuff. And I will be very open to changing stuff if it doesn't work. And then I and I got a mentor. And, and I think you don't even have to like label this person a mentor initially. This is people I reached out to industry that I truly respected. And I asked them to just guide me through this process. I didn't say, please be my mentor. I said, you know, this is what I'm building and I feel like our values are aligned. I'd love to run things past you. It didn't mean I went to them and said, answer all my problems. I would come with, you know, some sense of what I would like to do and then just have them guide me as to the best decision. Um, and I think that's that's super key if you're going to engage anyone on, on that mental level. Um, don't go to them expecting them to just sort of solve solve all your problems you know you need to put that initiative in Mm. and 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 they'll respect you for that and and they'll be more than willing to give you their time and you know and also be respectful of their time um so that's that's really what helped me get through that imposter syndrome um but other than that I I didn't feel that I was less worthy than anyone else to do what I was doing I felt like you know I was super passionate about solving this problem that even though I wasn't, and I don't know how I got past this, but even though I wasn't a true techie, I was going to build this tech tech program. I was yeah. going to learn. And I feel like we're so blessed with the amount of resources we have. Anyone can learn anything. There's so much available on the internet through blogs. And, and I'm the person who learns a lot through reading other people's stories. I read loads of blogs, listened to loads of podcasts. And I feel like you find your medium for learning and you really, really go into it and, um, and, and, and just accept that, you know, nobody's perfect. Even, you know, professors are still learning. You know, there's always something new, something changing. Mm. No, you know, apps are, apps are never finished. You know, people are constantly iterating. And I think that's life. If we accept that it's a constant iteration, then you don't have to be perfect. Right. And no one person 
has the right answer. No. You know, we're all just trying to figure it out. Exactly. You know, even mm. Elon Musk, he hasn't got it sorted. <laughs> so I think that gives all of right. us comfort. You know, he's not perfect at all. There there will be flaws in different in different areas of our lives. And I think we the sooner we accept that but that absolutely no one is perfect. I adore Oprah and I know she's not perfect. Uh, <laughs> I adore Oprah. Yeah, you know, but I think it's just being kinder to ourselves. And accepting that mm. this life is a journey. It's not tick done. It will constantly yes. evolve. There is no, there is no false. But I think that's it's safe to say that we have come from an era where it was about showing the right answer. It was about you know saving face. It was about putting on a smile when actually you're kind of suffering inside. And we are moving now into a mentality where it's okay to be struggling. You know, when you've got celebrities saying, you know, yes. I've gone through depression, I've done this and that. Like, it's not, people aren't having a moan. And I don't think they're really attention seeking, even though it does look quite narcissistic. Yes. I think it's more of people just saying, look, I'm just being human. And we all go through ups and downs. Oh, yeah. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. And I think um, I feel quite lucky in that when I started off in, in entrepreneurship and, and entering this world of STEM, there was a massive wave in openness. And, you know, we see these um, startup postmortems and people just being very, very transparent about the journey and, and how it is not it's not linear. And there are so many, you know, it's, it's quite an emotional journey you know starting something learning something new it's not going to be easy and I think people showing that people that we respect as well and people who have achieved great things but have come out and said actually these are the struggles I went through you suddenly feel okay okay it's okay to not be okay yeah and And then there's also now yeah there's the awareness that we have to look after our mental health yes Yes, I, I think that's a significant part of why things are changing is because people are talking about mental health finally mm-hmm. and the importance of emotional well-being. And that sort of old boys club mentality is really looking archaic these days. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just even that sense of community does help a lot with mental health. I mean, there's some amazing... Um, women in tech groups you know there's a variety of groups for for all sorts of people and I think just knowing that you have a support network whether it be virtual or in person that you can tap into and sort of share common challenges I think that's becoming a lot more of the norm now people are being more open I think initially there was a lot of secrecy when you're sort of working on something building yeah and, and and you know just there's a, like a more of a sharing culture open source mm. clearly has been quite big but it's a me too thing isn't it yeah, absolutely it's like do not suffer in silence there there are yeah. so many people who have been through the same and who can share and i think i think that's the beauty of it you know these communities who can share their hacks to to, to feel better whether it be yeah. mindfulness meditation i think you know that's mm. That's you can see that sort of being incorporated into, you know, the coding boot camps. You know, wellness is very much at the core of um, of their programs, which I think is amazing. I think um, 
I've, I saw one that has a happiness coach. And I think that is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Learning something as mm-hmm. tough as, um, you know, coding language can take quite a talk and it can be quite lonely if you're sort of sat at the computer just sort of tapping away quite a lot of the time and maybe you can't crack something you need to be reminded you should take a break you should be eating well you should be just having a walk you know just just thinking about how you can recenter before you tackle it again and I think that is so beautiful to see and and in startup world as well you know you can see many technology companies really taking it seriously how their employees are doing and and I think that's the future Mm. that's sort of where we need to go it needs to be there from day one yeah and I think from listening to you and my own personal experiences it feels like we need to teach our young how to be resilient to bullying yes oh so true so true and and also just resilient in in really following their hearts you know I think back to myself as um how old was I? Probably about 12 or 13, where I I really wanted to stick at chemistry and physics. And I just think, had those teachers not talked to me out of it, mm. I would have probably been on a different path. And, you know, they, they I don't know if they were being lazy or they didn't, they didn't have the tools to support me. But I feel like that was not my choice. I was forced into switching and I wished I had been able to carry on. And and I think how do we equip our young with with um, the tools to really be able to make informed decisions um, mm. about like the different career options and about helping them really discover what they what they really care about. You know, I think. So maybe it should be more about allowing young people to find themselves earlier because when you talk about teachers not supporting uh you and um opportunities being shut down we're really talking about adopting people's uh outdated beliefs oh completely completely you know they had a very fixed mindset that Mm. it it was over for me there was just no chance I was ever going to learn certain Mm. things and now in retrospect I feel you know hindsight I think I could have I just needed a little Mm. bit more time Um, but but as a mother yourself it must be really difficult striking that balance between um, letting kids discover themselves and knowing that they are going down the wrong path because of your own wisdom and experience very true Um, I think obviously I've had the opportunity to have sort of a conventional upbringing where you know we were either expected to be a lawyer teacher banker doctor (laughs) um Mm. and now having had this experience in entrepreneurship and 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 experience the world of science and technology I am conscious that he experienced you know my first son at least who's a bit older and he's starting to think about what he wants to study at school um but also broadly I want them to experience everything I want them to to learn as much as possible about different types of careers and and I I do obviously worry that I I might try and impose my views like my parents Mm. did because we think we know best and we feel like we have we have the information to make an informed decision but I think what I'm conscious of is giving them the the tools to make the right decision about 
what it is they truly enjoy and and I, I do hope that I'm patient enough to just allow that to happen naturally. Um, you know, whether he decides and, and the, the girls decide to um, to go down the science or the, the arts route, I will be supportive because I think ultimately that it's, it's their decision to make. And I'll, I'll try my best just to, um, to, to give them the, the right resources to, to make that informed choice. Mm. Yeah, I think as parents, perhaps we feel that it's our duty to uh, determine their path. But actually, when I look back on the way I was parented, I think what would have been most useful is my parents teaching me how to have confidence and how to cope with failure and just more more of those generic skills. Yeah, it's true. It's um, tough and I think growing up, I didn't want to fail (laughs) and I wish I had I wish I had um had that sort of feeling that it's okay just try again um Mm. quality a lot earlier I I do try and instill that in the kids and I think maybe it's it's through storytelling rather than just saying oh just try it again Mm. I need to sort of use myself more as an example and hopefully it will sink in um and I think that maybe it's about talking to children as adults yeah yeah giving them that sort of respect exactly and it's so true they they are smarter than we give them credit for (laughs) I know my four-year-old knows exactly what I'm saying half the time and it's amazing and I think that's something that because they're so intuitive aren't they at that age it's more about being heart driven rather than you know having all those societal sort of um expectations and distractions exactly and I feel like you know they're they're so pure you know they when they feel they feel Mm. they say it as it is it's beautiful just so yeah but the impression I get from you having heard you know and actually imagining you in a boardroom with your kids is that Mm -hmm. it seems like you have gone full circle in the sense that you know you've gone through that sort of like journey of trying to prove yourself in your career and then you've become a mother and now you're moving more into the tech for good space and and the result of that journey is that you are becoming um or are very much in your authentic self I mean I've never felt more connected to the real me yeah you are it's so I think that's where the confidence comes from if I'm completely honest it's more um it's not really status or anything like that. I think it's just for the first time, just feeling yeah. like this is me and it's like, take it or leave it. And I think the beauty of it is when you do get to work with amazing people who've chosen to work f- with you, you know that they've done that because they know the real you. Like there is no, there is no hiding. Mm. I, I really do um, put myself out there um, as I really am, you know, I've taken, taken the kids to talks, mm. Yeah, sat the baby on my lap while I've done a talk because that's me that's how how I how I am you know if it was important you know been breastfed all the kids and um you know when they're young and they won't take a bottle then they're coming with me <laughs> so just just really yeah being being that authentic self has really um meant that I feel like I can do anything and it, it's a it's a nice feeling I wonder what came first, you accepting yourself or people accepting you for who you are? 
it was me accepting myself 100%. I think mm. when you do that, you project that confident person. And I think people are naturally attracted to people who have a, a sense of who they are. I think you don't want to be someone who's sort of blowing with the wind and mm. and, and can't make up their own mind. I think there's, and you attract people like you. I think it's nice because yeah. you, know, you you want to work with good people. You want to to have good conversations. And I think there is there's a certain force that comes through positive energy when you you are you know the best version of yourself. But yeah, you have to believe it, and, and it will sort of emanate, and people will feel that. Yeah, yeah. So with this journey you've been on, um, do you feel like you now have it all? <laughs> Um, I think I'm very content. Um, it's it's a nice feeling in that I know that you know I fully believe in the journey. I don't think this is it. I think there's I will continue evolving for the better. But I think I've, I'm going into it knowing that um, I know myself and I know for you know like what I stand for, what I won't settle for, and and that really empowers me to sort of navigate and um, you know make sure I'm making the right choices and um, yeah just going into this with my eyes fully wide open um, as they say you know taking no prisoners. <laughs> you know it seems like all this wisdom you've clocked up is as a result of experiences and maybe a correlation with your age but what would you tell younger girls who are considering a career in STEM like what advice would you have for them? I would say don't be put off by the numbers. I would say go into it knowing that you are a very valuable member of any team that, you know, they're lucky to have you. Um, but go in and think, you know, think of what difference you want to make to the team. Be collaborative and keep learning, you know, get a mentor. But more importantly, continue to experience different things I think don't limit yourselves initially because you just don't know what you'll enjoy doing I think in the world of STEM there's so many different elements and there's so many different parts of an organization you can be a part of don't be closed-minded don't feel that if you today you decide you want to go into product that you must stay in product for the rest of your career mm. be very open-minded about opportunities because you don't know when you'll sort of land on one you might be working on a project with someone else and suddenly decide oh my goodness I'm really excited about learning um, JavaScript today and go and learn JavaScript and figure out how you can apply it to work and perhaps you you might want to move team in a couple months but but don't close off you know your mind to to new experiences because I feel like um, the the learning journey is constant and um, the more open-minded we are about um, how we evolve, um, I think life just becomes so much more interesting, and 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 there is no there is no full stop. Mm, yeah, and knowing that you're Nigerian, from what you said earlier, <laughs> um, is there anything extra um, people of minority should bear in mind? Because you know it's a it's a competitive world out there, and it can be scary. Like, is there any, like, insider tips? Yeah, I mean, I, I personally um, I personally believe that I've never gone into any room with 
sort of a label on, on my head. And I feel like everyone should go in just thinking about your individuality and how you as a person, not your colour, not your gender, but just how you um, can contribute to a team, but really own it. I think going in and feeling like you're completely equal is very important. I think you mustn't go in with, with the mindset that you're a token member team or anything mm. like that super celebrate celebrate being different absolutely I think it's yeah that you know that that's often what you hear and, and, and there's you know I guess firms like size to shout about when they do have um, a minority in the team but you don't have to be their token person I think you go in you own it you you be you um, and don't mm. be afraid to to really talk about your heritage and and it's it's not you know, sort of making you different, I, and I and I don't like the, the word you know different in that way. I think it's important that you just just be you, just be you, and yeah, and, and see yeah. everyone. I I I see everyone as the same, um, and that, that's yeah. how I approach it. I don't go in thinking, oh, I'm the Nigerian in the team. I think no, I'm I'm the person bringing the skill set. I can do this, and I'm going to own it. Wow, oh, so empowered. I love it. Oh, you've just been such an amazing guest on this show. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed this chat. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Gosh, I'm absolutely convinced now that being a trailblazer, which is often a very lonely road, is exciting and it gives you an edge and it's something extremely positive and after the conversation we've had today any kind of negative attitudes towards being a minority have been completely obliterated with my guest's positivity i feel empowered from listening to her own empowerment and one thing i can definitely say from our conversation today is that it is so important to know who you are and celebrate that. I mean, it is a real uh, advantage in knowing what skills you bring to the table and that we're all so unique as women in STEM. Thank you all for listening and don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week 